There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Oh, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Vacation except for visiting. Yeah. yeah. What's and I was going to go. Just us. We're all working. <laughs> right? Yeah, just us. We're all working. Okay, so Murray, JB. Yeah. So there's a story I'm doing this morning <clears throat> about a guy who gave up his kidney. He he reached out, he graduated in nineteen sixty nine from some high school. Uh he's a black guy. He needs a kidney, 
right? So he puts out a message to all of the all the people, you know, he went to high school with and whatever. So this guy steps up, doesn't remember him, mm-hmm. but he gives him a kidney anyway. He's a match. He gives him a kidney. This is a true story. I read it this morning. Here's the amazing part, though. So the, the, this guy steps up, gives him a kidney, and they got video of him. And the black guy's in bed, and he's got a big smile on him, shaking hands. And the other guy's shaking hands with him. And the guy says, who got the guy who got the kidney says, oh, it's just amazing, it's unbelievable, because we don't remember each other from high school or anything, man. And, and the weird thing is, like, he's white. <laughs> what? What do you mean the weird thing he's white? So basically, well, what if, if he has medical knowledge, which, you know, I don't know if he does or not, but it is kind of weird because you have to be like, there's a whole lot of things that have to match up genetically in order for a transplant to work. So it's like, you know, you'd kind of I think. I genetically. Yeah, you'd, you'd kind of think that you'd have to be like, you know, same so you think that's what he meant? Do you yep. think he knew all about that? The, Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I know what you I mean, he had to have because, they, you know, you wouldn't want them saying this probably won't work out. Hey, you know, you're, both them are you're black, so this is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. Yeah. But, but, but get it. Go ahead. But no, I just, I, I love the idea of, you know, a guy who's walking around and, you know, somebody says, like, you know, you should start saying like this guy's black guy, and uh, I mean, he has a white kidney. Uh, a white kidney, but he's got a white kidney. But yeah, he's phenomenal. That's great that that guy stepped up to the plate and I know. Didn't that's even remember. So the, all the old old uh, race laws are going to have to you know revisit that. You know, if you get a white yeah. kidney, does that change? Yeah, you white know, white kidney. Right. But, <clears throat> I a band called White Kidney Man. Do you play an instrument? Uh, no, but I own a slide trombone. Okay, well that's right. You told me you own a slide, and I, I was a singer. So you, we'll start. We'll start a band called White Kidney. <laughs> white Kidney. <laughs> It'll be I, phenomenal. I would, I would tell you. I would remember the two white kids in my high school. White Kidney, Black Penis. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's the best of both worlds. No, the lead singer idea. would be. Yeah, the lead singer, Black Penis. Black penis. <laughs> you could do. Yes, we do. No, many he's the lead singer. You're, you would be Black Penis, and the rest of us would yeah, be kidneys. Because a lot of, of course, it's just you both. and me. So it's you singing and me not being able to play the slide <laughs> trombone. Not the slide trombone, but not playing it. Oh boy. There are still people who, when I talk to them on the phone, think I'm black anyway because of the tone of my voice, not the way I talk, but. The tone. They think it's a specifically black tone. It's like, well, I got this from my mother, and she was white, so I don't think. I am, um, for a long time, in the very beginning, people were like, T.J. Miller, I just found out T.J. Miller is white. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why, but, like, hundreds and hundreds of people on the Internet truly believed that I was black. Just from hearing my name, that's T. it. J. They'd never seen me. And uh, I never knew that. I never knew that that was a common name in the community. JB. But the prejudice of white people, the prejudice are you when you think you hear stuff like that, that's still the image that many people carry, even to a younger age. I mean, that's, those, those would be what the, you could refer to as the remnants of racism or the remnants of, I don't know, what would, more prejudice. It's racism. No, it's not right, but it's, prejudice, it's a prejudice where you say, you hear something, you say, oh, Categorizing. that's what it must be. Must, no, God, I, judge I, it. I just think black people are more efficient and they're like, let's just do initials. <laughs> get, let's get through this fucking introduction immediately. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got shit to do. <laughs> no, here's the mean? deal. No, you got to be honest, though, Ralph. Over everything. I don't want him to hear this. That's why I'm whispering. <laughs> but when you first heard that Murray was coming in, I mean, you know. I know. That was, <laughs> when I met Murray, I was just a little uncomfortable. 
But I thought <laughs> I thought your name. You said your name was Murray. <laughs> I thought Murray was Irish. Yeah, Murray's Irish. <laughs> Irish. Well, why don't you stop messing with your microphone? Oh, that's Jamie. the one. I think that's the one Mom broke. Oh, my my wife usually sits in that spot, Uh-oh. and she. Well, I replaced it. I adore it, so my wife. I, I absolutely love my wife, and I adore her. But man, she can destroy things. It's I think unbelievable. it's the cough button. <laughs> she really, they can really step on the uh, technology sometimes. <laughs> your wives. It's really kind of sad to tell you the truth uh, that she's not here because she's a huge fan of yours. My wife. Oh, I'm you're a fan the... of hers, and also her low standards. <laughs> Thank which you. I can tell because she's it's a fan really of mine. Really nice you, sir. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I can't get any lower than that. Let me get the door. I swear to God, oh, you, you know Adam Hunter, comedian Adam Hunter? Yeah, yeah. Adam's sitting where you are, right? And Catherine's sitting over there. And Catherine is a very pretty woman. I mean, she she just is, right? Yeah, you married up. Oh, way up. Yeah, yeah, all the way up. You can well, barely I, see her. I don't know you have to agree with me on all the way up, TJ. <laughs> Especially because I haven't seen her. <laughs> yeah. No, I have. I'll reiterate it. Yeah, way yeah. up. So Adam says, well, so who's that? And I said, it's Catherine. Well, how, how did she? I said, she's my wife. And he goes, what? And I said, she's my wife. And he goes, where'd you meet? Unmatched.com. That's amazing. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Adam. Thank Unharmony.com. you so much. Unharmony.com. <laughs> Unharmony.com. Back to the tech thing. My, uh, <laughs> Kate goes, uh, she, she just sort of has said, you know, she cleans up after the cats, and the cats are kind of her domain and feeds them and all that kind of stuff. I just, like, live around them, and, like, <laughs> you know, they stay out of my way, I stay out of their way. <laughs> it's fine. And, uh, but so she handles certain stuff like that. She, you know, she does the dishes, makes food. I wash the dishes, uh, take out the trash. But uh, technology is my department. And, man, these passwords are starting to fuck up my life, or at least an hour of my life. Because, and it's, I feel bad for Kate, and I've told her that, but she absolutely says, like, no, 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 no big deal. I'm glad you're handling it. But I, um, I, you know, with the passwords, and now I gotta go to my computer and get my phone, and then I enter it in incorrectly, and we know it's free on Netflix, but I forgot the password for that because it's different from all the <laughs> other ones because we got hacked and all this oh, yeah. kind of shit. And it is just so, so, so frustrating. For me, and then this poor woman has to sit there because we live in a 700 square apartment in Manhattan. Like, you oh, can yeah. hear me from any place in the apartment. <laughs> it's basically two rooms and a bathroom and a half. And uh, she just has to hear me as I try and put together what we're watching tonight. Just like, God damn it! <laughs> Fuck! Well, shit! <laughs> Babe, do you want to just watch The Princess Bride? Watch that again. Let's watch Real Genius for the 14th time. Because I can't figure out our fucking iTunes password from the Google password, from the Amazon Prime password, and Netflix. You know, forget about that. We're going through it. No, you're absolutely right. That's what what I'm going through at home because of the two Roku's missing, and they, they messed up my Wi-Fi. I have no idea what all those passwords are. No it's clue. just uh, it's terrible, and, and you know the only ones you can remember are the most hackable ones, like your own phone number, yeah. <laughs> your mother's maiden name. Yes, all that good stuff. Well, like so someone you know's birthday—it's like all that <laughs> right. information is available. Well, I've done what they tell you would be the worst thing to do. I have them all written down. Oh uh, yeah, that is the worst. <laughs> oh, the yeah, only worse than that. There's a chair over there, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, the only thing worse than that, and uh, be quiet. Uh, there's nothing worse than that, 
I think in terms of security is using the same password on every single. And that's the other thing I do. I just. Use the same. Who cares? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, it's, I wouldn't do that. I, I, no, it's I my mother's name plus oh, some right. other things. <laughs> he almost just totally gives it up. <laughs> Everybody listening is like, mm, free Netflix. That's a great story about his mother, actually. She said just before she died. That other than Catholic priests, I'm the only white man she ever liked. Really? <laughs> he likes to stretch this. He that is like stretching. That's stretch exactly it. what you told me. You know what I found out? Because I did a duet, like a theater performance in high school um, with a black girl. It was really funny. We actually did a Chevy Chase Richard Pryor sketch. Oh, the I job love this interview game. sketch. Oh, Have you yeah. ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's really funny. <laughs> Dead honky. <laughs> and um, honky, honky. Dead honky. <laughs> and uh, so, I, so I did this. Um, you know, we decided to make it racial and to, you know, do that sketch. And I was talking to her, and we were pretty good friends before, but we got to be really good friends sort of preparing for this thing and she told me something that I had never known and when I tell white people uh, they don't believe it and maybe you can confirm this or not or maybe you haven't heard it <laughs> but uh, that white people when they get out of the pool smell like wet dogs <laughs> oh just from the laugh I know that it's true okay there we it's, go it's, I'm not saying it's true <laughs> but with that statement you are I, I have heard other black people say that about white people. <laughs> wow. They smell like dogs. Wet, no, like wet, dogs. wet dogs. Wet dogs. That's I even worse. hated the smell of people who were just in the pool. I don't know why. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're probably you're black. Yeah. But that's just like, you know, some there's uh, some black guys, if you're around them right after you just played ball or something, yeah. they smell like hard-boiled eggs. You know, it's yeah, like, there's something to that. But I don't think I think, right, I think I think right now you you guys have the long end of the stick, uh, and that's a metaphor. Um, and we're wet dogs when we get out of the. Believe me, it's a myth. Well, you know, I don't think us smelling like wet dogs when we get out of the pool is a myth. Uh, just an observation. And so she told me that almost every white person I've ever met. When they hear that, they can't believe it. They've never heard it. Never and it also it. opens up the world to them of like, yeah, I guess if it's a room of all black people, they just are <laughs> probably saying like, I'm at this fucking cracker. He just got out of the pool. He, he smelled so much like a wet dog. I want to put a fucking collar on him. I've just never seen black people around a pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. There's no... Frozen or unfrozen? Yeah, frozen. No ice fish. Yeah. Ice oh, fishing in a pool? Murray's going like, no, no, no. Yeah, CJ Sullivan, the guy opening for me at the House of the Comedy this weekend, hilarious, a headliner in his own right, really, really funny. He has a joke with a lot of places we go, but especially Minnesota uh, and Michigan, which is like, you know, the UP. It's crazy. <laughs> and uh, he goes, you guys are really white out here, but you're a different level of white. You're like... You're like ice fishing white. <laughs> and uh, I love that. I love the image of that. I love just a group of guys headed to go ice fishing. Yeah, I can only imagine stupid white people. Yeah. They're, when you see the polar bear club, is that the name of the people that mm -hmm. jump into the cold yeah, water? Yeah, it's black. all white 
older idiots. <laughs> Michael it's Bryan. people that look like me. Yeah. It's Michael Bryan. <laughs> I do security for those events. <laughs> Is that true? But you just do security. Yeah, you don't have to jump in. You don't in. jump in. No, absolutely. And we get, the, we get the warm clothes, too. They get, they provide you with a jacket and a sweater. So what security is there? Do you have people kind of trying to stop <laughs> hey, these man. guys from jumping into the pool? Water seals. Walking a polar plunge. Um, no, there's a whole... There's a, I mean, you just been, have to ward off polar bears? <laughs> it's been a big deal now. So there's a lot of celebrities that go to and like, endorse the event and do advertisement and stuff. Really? So we're kind of just there for them. Wow. So, I, I mean, I would do that, but I'm not sure <laughs> I would... Run Rush to do it. I don't know if like, I do it. We, oh, here's a quick story. So, um, <laughs> and it's not about ice fishing, but it's close. Uh, cliff jumping, right? Mm-hmm. So on my honeymoon, uh, Kate and I went to, you know, there was this opportunity for us to cliff jump. And it was a really high cliff. And we both got up there and I was like, just do it. You're going to love it. You're going to be so happy that you did. And she's like, that's ah, really high up. And I said, that's okay, we'll hold hands. And we were about to jump off, and the captain of the boat was like, no, 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 don't hold hands. You shouldn't hold hands. And both of us felt, we didn't say it, but we were like, this is a bad idea not to hold hands. And we jumped, and she freaked out right before and tried to stop herself from jumping. And luckily, she didn't fall straight down because there were rocks there. She could have died. But she started down and then pushed herself off of the rock but cut her foot so badly on the honeymoon that she had trouble walking the next few days. And I, I mean, there's nothing you can feel worse about, and there's nothing that can ruin a honeymoon. She wasn't mad. I mean, she was, like, just grateful that nothing worse happened. And I was really afraid that she would never cliff jump again. I just, I thought, you know, are we going to have kids and she's going to be the mother that's like, no, 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 I don't do that. I had a terrible experience (laughs) on my fucking honeymoon (laughs) where I almost died cliff jumping. And then recently we went to Bermuda, which if you live in New York, it's like an hour flight and it's it's really inexpensive if you live in New York. And, um... Or I suspect, I guess, D.C. also, but specifically New York. And uh, and we went to this place uh, where there was cliff jumping. And she was actually the one that pointed it out. And so we went there, and there were sort of cliffs that were close to the ground, but they were still pretty scary. There was one that was really tall and one that wasn't that tall. So when you say really tall, it's like 100 feet? I mean, I'm not good with those things, <laughs> but I, I think, yeah. I mean, we're talking so about... So is, is it like five seconds after you jump off before you hit the water? Yeah, it's it's the size of a football field goal. Here's what we'll do. We'll take a very quick break so Andy doesn't have to do much editing. And you know what? The <laughs> ending of the story hasn't happened, so it's a real cliffhanger. See, it's a real <laughs> cliffhanger. There are only shows left on Sunday. <laughs> okay. We'll be right back in two minutes, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customer? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) 
Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Are we back? Yep. Andy, you're doing a good job. It's my son, Andy, right there. That's your son? Yeah. Wow, you did a lot better than your father. (laughs) There's no question. Plus, he's got an IQ of about 200, so that helps, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't don't know the range of that, either. It's like the height of the cliff. (laughs) So I'm over here going, 200? What is it? Out of what? 500? That doesn't sound so good. (laughs) It's not that big a deal, really. So, ladies and gentlemen, we now go back. We return. To the, we return to the cliff story. The sh- who knows what lurks in the shadows? The shadows. The shadow knows. I used to do a lot of that voiceover. Yeah? Oh, yeah, I did a lot of that stuff. I love Well, you got it's a great voice. Scary. Yeah. Why do... Okay, quick diversion. <laughs> uh, why do we think... Can you tell I couldn't pay attention in school and got in trouble a lot? Oh, uh, yeah. Quick diversion... Um, well, you know what? Now I just forgot. <laughs> uh, so the end of the, the end, oh no! Why do you guys think that um, Americans like a gravelly voice more than a clear one? Do you have any thoughts know, on that? that? You're right about that. Though. It's probably what they experience as a kid. You know, either their grandparents or smoking. Parents had, a lot of smoking. Had yeah. them, and it's a comforting. My mother's voice. voice. I've never heard like that. This. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Does she smoke? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think you could attribute it to the Marlboro Man, but I also think truly that it's because we're, especially in Colorado and on the West Coast, we're sort of frontiersmen. Like we inhabited this country and kind of made our way all the way to the West. And I think there's something very American about a voice that sounds like you smoke and you drink and Suzanne you kind of live in the mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Suzanne Plachette had a great voice. Yes, she Bla- did. Black Venus and the White Kidneys, that was their hit. I, <laughs> I think it was, yes. Uh, but I, yeah, I think kidney. it's that. And I think it also conveys this idea of I don't care. I'm kind of living life right now in the moment. Yeah, I think so. So there might be some of that. So, Kate. Um, said, I want to start with the small cliff. And I said, well, do you want to go off it first or do you want me to? And she said, well, I think you should. So I jump off of it. 
And then I'm in the water, and she's like, how was it? And I'm like, it's great. Just jump out forward. And so she jumped and made it. And then we both did the the taller cliff, which was not as tall as the first one, but it was it's pretty tall. And uh, we went up there and we said, let's hold hands on this one and just jump off this fucking cliff. And uh, it worked. And I mean, I was so relieved. And I, I, I admitted to her that I was worried that she would never jump off a cliff again or, or right. have the courage right. to do that because she had a bad experience. She couldn't believe it. She was like, what? <laughs> the fuck do you mean you thought I wasn't going to jump off a cliff? This this is also, I mean, this really is Kate's words, but she's like, I'm not a fucking pussy. Like, I, of <laughs> like course I was going to try it again. Yeah, don't don't call me phenomenal. like a scaredy cat. That's phenomenal. And she, it is funny, she does. She, she talks like a New Yorker. Oh, not, she, not like a Philadelphian. She, she lived there for seven years. We did. We met in college. Oh, okay. Um, and I, we just did Philadelphia last weekend. And she talks like a New Yorker, but not like a Philadelphian. No, that's just my alarm that goes off to uh, not to stop talking. Uh, I apologize. So, no, no, no. And so um, she, she'll talk like a New Yorker, but uh, in Philadelphia, she had a good friend from Philadelphia. And in Philadelphia, we, uh, uh, I got huge laughs when I found out that it wasn't just Kate's friend, Jillian, from Philadelphia that talked like this, but that all women in Philadelphia talk like this, <laughs> what I'm about to talk like. And um, and uh, that was only because I overheard it like two or three times in a bar. But in Philadelphia, that's the only city where the girls will straight up be like, yo, hold that thought. I got to go take a shit. <laughs> and it's just like the weirdest, grossest, but everyone laughed. Like all the guys laughed. They were like, yeah, that is. That's part of our sc- culture. We're a bunch of scumbags. You can call them slime bags to their face. And they're like, yeah, we fucking love our sports. And our girls do notify us that they're shitting and not pissing. Just say you need to go to the water closet. The water closet. The water closet. Excuse me. I'm going to the water closet. I don't need to imagine you being like, guys either. I don't need to imagine you being like. That's a great. Did you work that. on that sound effect? Might need a little <laughs> that brand was the first time I've done that. That is about to be even more disgusting with the fact that, like, in Philly, a girl said that. She was like, I'm going to take a shit. I'll be right back. And I'm like, <laughs> the whole time I'm trying to have a conversation and drink, and there's this girl in the bathroom, and I'm wondering, like, you know, I wonder if she folds or crinkles the toilet paper, <laughs> and I hope she doesn't get any shit on her hands, and I hope That'd be that good. she... That'd be good. Yeah, so, but Kate, yeah, she doesn't go that far. It's not that raw. So where did Kate grow up? Uh, in a one-stoplight town in Michigan uh, called Napoleon. Uh, no black people there. Where'd you go to college? Uh, in D.C. We oh, went you to, did? Yeah, and then um, she moved to New York after college, and I moved to Chicago to do oh, Second okay. City yeah. and kind yeah. of become a stand-up, and... Uh, then, you know, we broke up a couple times, always stayed friends, but just we couldn't do the long, the long distance thing didn't make sense. Yeah. And uh, I, I was sort of saying, I'll be done in Chicago in six months. I'll be done in Chicago in a year. And it was just eventually she 
But of course, she ended up dating this guy for five years that was like emotionally and physically abusive and Ugh. fucking spied on her tech yeah. stuff. So he, he recorded right. all her keystrokes and had a tracker on her phone and all this stuff that was really scary. Um, although she herself has mentioned like that has become very important, you know, now for where we're at in terms of the fame game because it's very there's a real darkness to fame it's yeah. like we've already had money oh, yeah. extorted and you know and it's just you become a moving target yep. Kate describes it as it's like if you walked on the street and you were wearing a suit of a hundred dollar bills like there were just hundred dollar bills everywhere so everybody just thinks oh my gosh they must be so rich this guy tried to extort 1.5 million dollars from us and, from you and your wife? and Kate and I are going what $1.5 million? Like, can you show it to me? We want to look at it. Take a gander. Yeah, you have and, to be uh, uh, pretty high up on the fame uh, fame ladder to just have that much cash to be able, lying yeah, around. To be able to not get somebody to like dam- do damaging things to you, essentially. So, And we got hacked, and that was like a disaster. And so there's a lot of... Actually, I had a show recently where at, at the show... That I'm, the show that I'm doing right now in the act, I say, what are some of the most wonderful feelings that a human being can have? And somebody said fame. And I said, no, that is simply not the case. Um, it just comes with all bad, no good. Like, the good is we get to skip lines. Like, that's the end of it. Right. And we can maybe get <laughs> a particular table at the restaurant. But the only reason we're doing that is because otherwise, you know, our dinner is interrupted constantly. And so, uh, you know, and that, and I understand it, and I also understand why it frustrates her. Because we'll be in a discussion or arguing a point, and somebody will just be like, hey, I hate to interrupt. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you really hated to, then you wouldn't have why interrupted. Right. <laughs> so don't, don't even do say that. Just be like, hi, I, I wanted to take a picture with you because I think that I'll become more popular on social media. Which also in the act, I talk about how we're going to look back at social media. I'm thinking about 10, 15 years, maybe sooner, like people look at smoking cigarettes in the 50s or 60s. But, you know, just say, I want to take a picture, I'm going to post it, and I hope it gets a ton of likes. And then people are going to be like, whoa, you have that social currency. What was it like meeting that person? Um, And so we used to actually sort of say, like, ah, no, we can't take a picture, but I want to meet you. I'm TJ. And then get their name and say thank you for your support. And then after the election, I just started taking pictures again because I feel like, especially in Manhattan, Los Angeles, where I spent all my time, people just, you know, their days are are pretty dismal. So they might as well, like, have a, you know, a kind of fun moment. I always take a picture of Kate's not there. um, And I take pictures with people that I work with. But it's just, I mean, you you wouldn't even believe it. And then you reach a level of fame. which I think you probably have, which is people are like, that's that person, but I'm not going to bother them because they've hey. probably been bothered a thousand times. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, <clears throat> no, I don't no, know. I'd rather just leave someone alone, I think. I um, I have to ask you a question about this. Or one. it's fun to just say, love your work. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I like what you yeah, do. Yeah, that'd be good. Or people yell, you know, keep on keeping on. But I'd say one out of every ten, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, let's return oh, to that point, but one out of ten people... Um, yeah, one out of every ten interactions I have in New York City is like horrible. Like nine of them are just nice people. They want a picture. They see something nice. 
and then one is just this self-entitled white 23-year-old <laughs> college graduate yeah. who's just like drunk during the day and is like mm-hmm. hey fuck you hey fuck this guy right and that's a famous guy he won't even pay attention to his fans everybody right fuck you fuck him I've spent and, a lot of time uh, in New and, York, and, and, and you can get that reaction without being famous. Right, exactly. <laughs> Don't get too full of Exactly. Go, it's so funny because everybody else on the street is like avoiding eye contact right. with her because they're like, well, this is the most embarrassing part of our city. There's a woman doing this? Fuck yeah, a 23-year-old girl. Oh, God. That's my least favorite demographic. <laughs> Self-entitled young white what, women. women? Yeah, college, yeah. Can, Millennials. Uh, college can produce some entitlement, it seems. Oh. No doubt about that. So my question is this. And college professors got to hate them. My deal. Well, they, they created them, though. <laughs> yeah, Don't they start. Them. They were the ones who cre- they're the ones who created them. I work on a college. Yeah. Andy, same. picked it a scab. And, uh, yeah, a deep one. But you're, For me. Uh, but you're also implying that it's your fault that I'm these self-entitled. I'm not a college professor. Oh, okay. I'm an equipment manager. Okay. Athletics. But I think, yeah, the police that have to deal with these college kids. It's ugh. So what was your question? So, I mean, in my situation, it's a localized thing. In your world, it's absolutely national, and at this point, international, because, yeah. you know. No, it is. I mean, we were it's, in. Yeah, it's international. Now. Yeah, we were in Iceland, and this guy was walking down the street. He stops, and he goes, hey, are you TJ Miller? Are you on that show? And I said, yeah. <laughs> are you on that show? And he goes show? like this. He goes, are you high right now? <laughs> First question. Out of the gates. And I was like, That's a great and, and I go, no, not really. Why are, are you high? And he was like, oh, yeah. And then he just walked away. <laughs> that was it. So my question to you is, when you first find out about that, that, you, that people know who you are, the th- it, it was devastating to me how much people love money. I mean, they will do anything for money they'll harm anybody yeah they'll, they'll lie they'll lie they'll do i mean that really broke my heart it really did even big companies you know yeah. even there are companies that are you know the people at the top making decisions who you're suing or what publicity stunt to do are doing that because they want money they want to yeah. figure out how yeah. to get some source of money everybody just believes that celebrities are famous lucky people that deserve you know to give you money because you're not happy with your life but as our driver says like i don't know how you live with yourself if you're that kind of person but yeah there are people that do that i've never had any international extortion yet not yet but you know after deadpool too you know the the tough thing is plenty of time ready player one once ready player one goes to streaming i am fucked uh no i think you know we just Lately, Kate and I have sort of starkly realized, like, we have to drastically change our lives and our lifestyle. And I think I was, fame sort of, I was catching up to the fame, the fame. I never, when I tweet, I don't think that it's going to over a quarter of a million people. I just tweet. I just, that's, you know, I'm I'm sort of interacting with fans, telling them that I'm doing shows. But, uh... You know, I just, I, I became much more famous than I was behaving for, for a very, very long time, for a decade. And now it's clear. I mean, I mean, cause I'm an extrovert, I'm a people person, Murray's like that. Um, I, li- I like in New York city, I like 
as I'm walking home or something to like dip into a, a bar with some real history, you know, something right. that started in the early 1900s or the late 1800s and sit and start just talking to a stranger or have a conversation with the bartender. That's just my father-in-law's that way. That's just something that I, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. And that's over. Like yeah. it's, no, it is. Yeah, absolutely. it's pretty much done because if I do anything that is in any way, Embarrassing or just anything like that, people will try and get an angle yep. and then get some money, or they just want the social currency. They, you know, lately, uh, Kay and I have had a lot of um, it was, it's, it's been very frustrating. We had a lot of people kind of crawl out of the woodwork from high school, from grade school, from people that we don't even know, and they are very much. You know they're trying. It's benevolent their their initiative, but they're trying to initiate the possibility of like, hey, if you ever want to visit and kind of hide away, we, I, I can rent a cabin in Virginia. Or, hey, are things okay? This is my experience in my life. Here's my advice to you. I just, you know what it is? Unsolicited advice and unsolicited. Uh, hey, we can be your your hideaway. Your right. sort of right. Palm Springs or Desert Hot Springs for. Al Capone or somebody like that. And and what Kate and I have really talked about is like, you know, we are, uh, you know, we don't need that. And it's also, it's self-serving because it's, they have the social currency. They're looking for the social currency, either subconsciously or consciously to be able to say, well, I'm the one that they came and visited. And right. Meanwhile, right. Kate found us and we live in like a fortress in New York City and you know we know our neighbors in the building and all that kind of stuff but uh, you know Kate sort of explained that like I don't even explain but we just like we we don't I do local press to promote the shows but we just don't talk to the press anymore you know people want to and I think there is something to that and I wish I would have learned it sooner but like the press right now, because the news cycle is 24 hours and they have to have cl everything's clickbait, you know, yeah. online it's all Zuckerberg smashed by so and so, or this person right. totally destroyed this person. Watch so, and it's it's really mean spirited and it's uh really strange. And so, the media in general is not trying to help anybody. And like I say in my show, you don't refresh your news app and get and be like, oh, well, that's great. <laughs> I, just, I just found out oh, that uh, everybody in Mississippi found a small toy chest of gold doubloons. What a great day. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. 
If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. It's never that. It's always terrible. And so that's another thing that I talk about in the show is like, I, I thank the audience um, for ripping their attention away from these screens that I think are kind of ruining our lives and like making a night of it, going to dinner, you know, even eating at the club because they have really, really good food, watching a live show, shutting off their, their fucking cell phones for an hour and a half, and then having the rest of the night either going out and partying and talking about the show or going home and, you know, having had an experience where they can talk about and relive and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm very, very much into that. And that's why I like, um, that's why I like traveling and doing stand-up. Because it's also me spending my time with you. I'm coming to you. Right. I'm in Bloomington, Minnesota, in the largest mall in North America. Unless you ask Edmonton, and they'll say that they have <laughs> the exactly. largest. And I love that everybody here knows Edmonton. Like if I said that, if I said that shit, Bronson. right? Exactly. If I said that in New York, everybody would be like, "Edmo, what?" <laughs> and uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I came. I'm in a hotel that's attached to a mall, and I don't necessarily need to be here, but I want to very much. So I don't want to be. Away from my wife four days a week, right? Yeah. But I'm on tour every weekend for the through August, and uh, you know, so I like that. But when it, I'm I'm understanding that when it comes to being famous for things like Deadpool and Ready Player One and you know whatever it is, uh, Office Christmas Party or She's Out of My League, two very well done gag driven comedies. I call them hangover movies because if you see them on TV. On a Sunday, and you're hungover, you just are like, I'm gonna leave this on because I, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm gonna get some giggles here in a second, and my head feels like shit. Uh, I, just to stay out of it. Just like we went to the premiere of Love Gilda, which is really good, but Tribeca Film Festival, that was their opening film. It's a documentary about Gilda Radner, it's, it's yeah. everything, it's fantastic. And uh, we just were past that point where we kind of get dressed up and do the photos and then the press line and all that kind of stuff. And we just go in the back. Like, we just want to see the fucking movie. Like, I don't need everyone to be taking pictures of me. I don't need to talk to everybody. I'm not that guy. I'm not that comedian. You guys can kind of tell from how unfunny I've been on the, the podcast. But, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but... Uh, this conversation is but, very important. But it's, uh, you know, it is... 
it's now it's almost being forced upon us, but we just, you know, we become more reclusive. Honestly, we just, I, I don't need to be on all the time. I don't need to be the center of the attention in the room. In fact, a big part of why I left Silicon Valley was because five months out of the year I was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And if Kate was visiting, she's kind of not doing any of her career because she's a mixed media artist and that all lives in New York city. I didn't like Los Angeles and I wanted to do more stand up, and, you know, so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what I love. And I, I love doing films because, and even more than television, because they have such a permanence to them. Like we've all seen our favorite movie probably, 20 times or something like that. Absolutely. And, uh, and a lot of movies we've seen two or three times and that's not the case with like, I haven't gone back and watched the Sopranos. Like I loved breaking bad, but I don't take like three weeks to binge watch. Like I knew what happened. I had enough time with them, but a great movie at the end of it. You're like, no, it's over. Ah, shit. And that's kind of what love Gilda was like. And then we just rolled out of there conspicuously, I was, you know, and and then went, you know, to a friend of hers house, but it's getting to be a lot more like visiting one or two people at their house or having people come to our house and much less, you know, going to restaurants and things like that. And so that's kind of a bummer, but I think we have a battery of psychological professionals to try and keep us sane. And I think uh, Dr. Bruno was really smart when he said, um, you know that you knew that there would be a sacrifice for fame, um, and you just the problem is you didn't know what size sacrifice it would be. Yeah, and you and, also didn't you couldn't read people. You you probably didn't know some people, not all people, but some people can be as bad as they are. Yeah, that's very true. And then you know also it's good people like my family trying to help and not having boundaries, and so we've sort of receded from communication with our family also if i could do this and nobody knew who i was it would be the best thing in the world but that's the uh dark side effect of trying to be a successful entertainer and i do films you know i do i'm a commercial artist and kate's kind of the street credit real deal but um i do the emoji movie and i do um transformers 4 and ready player one and deadpool and those are movies where, yeah, if I go to China, people are like, no way. You're the toddler-bodied guy with the weird hair <laughs> who always has this strangely quaffed beard. And uh, that's Kate and Holy Smokes. And so it has kind of come to that place. But, um, you know, what you're sacrificing and what you receive is this incredible thing, which is... And again, it's it's great money, but everybody who's evil is trying to take that money away from you, including Correct. business managers and agents <laughs> and all kinds of people. Um, but you do get to make, especially with movies, millions, hundreds of millions of people laugh. And I really do believe comedy is this great opiate that is actually healthy for you and just takes you out of the tragedy that, sort of permeates everyday life and everybody's got it. That's why with hecklers, I'm very, um, I ask them very sternly to stop and then we eject them and your club is great about that. Yeah. But they're making the show about themselves 
and they're interrupting what I'm trying to do, which is like, you know, somebody will, I'll, I'll mention something about something and someone will be like, my uncle has cancer. Well, everybody oh, has an God. uncle with cancer. Everybody has experienced, you know, the heartache of someone committing suicide because they didn't think they had the resources. You're not the only one. Every single person has problems that they're dealing with every single day. And so to come to the comedy club, to drink, to take your mind away from that stuff is really good. And then, you know, the best thing I can do on a television show or in films or on stage is say something that like later on that week, you kind of remember it and you're like, <laughs> like just to chuckle to yourself at work, you know, when you're like, when will this day end? That's nice when I do have people that are like, every time I wash my hands, I think about that joke, man. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the joke, I should tell the joke, otherwise that's very strange. Uh, it's um, that it's true that the amount of time that it takes to hygienically clean your hands uh, is the exact same amount of time it takes to sing happy birthday. Have you guys heard that? Yeah. I, okay, thought, I thought it was twice. I was like, though. I can't bring the... <clears throat> I can't bring just the white people smell like wet dogs when they get out of the pool information. <laughs> that would be that'd be not exactly what you want to do. So uh, that's fine, and I do sing happy birthday every single time I wash my hands. But whenever I'm in a public restroom alone and somebody else walks in, it just looks like I'm having the saddest birthday ever. <laughs> like, just like, happy birthday. Oh, thanks, you're the first one and only one to come. I chose this location because it smells horrible. Yeah. And so people will, uh, yeah, they'll be like, I wash my hands and I sing happy birthday. And I just think that's fun. That's a fun sort of lifting you out of your reality for a moment. And then that's also why I do advertising. I love, uh, you're going to see, we live in a capitalist society. You're going to see that stuff anyway. So why not make it funny? So I have a question for you. Do you often get to talk about things the way you just talked about them? No. This is the first. And I think that's wonderful. The first time, and the first time in a long time. But I think. No, that's good. It's, that's ta really good. it's taken some time. Also, I, I talk about this in my act time. I think in a post-religious post meaning society is the closest thing that we have to a deity because it's the only thing that's omnipresent, omniscient, and omn, uh, omnipotent. And, uh, yeah, we're always talking about saving time and wasting time and, you know, that weird expression, only time will tell, which means time knows, but it'll it'll let you know later. Uh, <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah, it really, really does feel like it, but... <laughs> I do. I, I spell time with a capital T because I do believe that it takes like time is very powerful. And so we really took some time in silence, uh, you know, or at least have tried to. And uh, and and once that time passes, I think we'll be able to speak more openly about. But I just I don't I don't think, you know, I had this troll on my fucking Twitter sent a DM that was like, why do I find you so unappealing? That's what she oh, said. God. So, first of all, oh, great, God. great conversation started. <laughs> Way to go on that one. Yeah, you seem good. personable. That's and uh, and I said to her, I was like, because you don't know me in person, you don't know who I am. Right. You've never met me. And she was like, that's a good point. And then I said, you find me to be a very kind, generous person who's incredibly authentic and. Uh, and has good intentions and, and does comedy for you and everyone else. 
And then she she sort of did a 180 and was like, oh, well, I stand corrected. Now I'm a fan and thank you. And then a couple of days later, she goes, how did I do a 180 so quickly? And I said again, because you've stopped thinking about me as a celebrity and started right. thinking about me as a human person. And I think I'm just, I actually have for reals had the media just be vicious, just vicious towards Kate and I. Towards Kate. I mean, that's hard to, that's almost harder to watch people texting her and direct messaging her and Facebook posting and just, you know, just being mean. Why are you with this idiot? You know, you must be stupider than him to even put up with his antics. And yeah. and that's just a mean, like, she doesn't need that. She doesn't want that from a stranger. She And she's not going to engage them because it doesn't work to be like, look, you don't know him. I live with him. And then that that's all they want. They want that kind of attention. And so the Internet, I had a pinned tweet for a while. <laughs> he says social media is terrible. Uh, I had a pinned tweet for a while. That said that the internet uh, has turned the world into high school. And Kate sort of did an addendum where she said it's actually turned uh, a lot of people back to like junior high. And I think that's really well, true. I think that. you're, what's that? Andy always says that. Yeah, that I mean, I've gone back to junior high school now. It's it's just the the insults being hurled, the lack of empathy, the lack of understanding that these. Things are said and they have emotional repercussions for the person that you're throwing it at. I actually was really happy to have played Ehrlich for so long because I always gained weight for that role. And when I did the Emoji movie, I got all this hate. And it, but it, they, a lot of it included body shaming. And it was all, you know, it was all red hats that were just like, you stupid, fat, libtard, snowflake piece of shit, you fat ass. <laughs> You loser. Like yeah, you fat fuck. Now your fucking career's over. The emoji oh, movie got 13%. Meanwhile, I'm in a Steven Spielberg movie. I just right. did a film with Kristen Stewart and Deadpool 2 is coming out and also How to Train Your Dragon 3. So they don't I guess they don't understand how films work, but yeah. Yeah, you don't so like not. make one then make the next one and they release it after a month. And also, the emoji movie killed. Like Sony executives, I've been in meetings and they've been like Ugh, the emoji. We made so much fucking money off of that <laughs> film. And they kind of casually like, sorry about the Rotten Tomatoes score, but whoa, did we bring in international. <laughs> so they, they don't care about it at all. I also love, so I experienced that kind of body shaming, and I feel like I have a little bit more empathy for women who experience that on a consistent basis. Um, but it just, it's, people are so mean, and it doesn't make sense, the snowflake insult. Because uh, each snowflake is unique and its own beautiful, natural creation. <laughs> so that's just so strange. You'd be like, these oh. fucking unicorns, these goddamn <laughs> golden gooses. Like, it's, it doesn't make a lick of sense. And they got a, you know, these cucks, like they stole that from cuckolded and... But they got they got to work harder. Libtard is yeah, okay. Libtard. Yeah, libtard. It's okay, but they got to come up with something else that's much better. You know, I literally something about all liberals smell like wet dogs, dogs. when they get out of the pool. <laughs> all of them. It's all true. Or wet raccoons. They got to make it worse. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, TJ, now Murray, have you checked? Are all the shows sold out now? Sold out, sold out, sold out, except for Sunday. Still except got for Sunday. Sunday. And, and I, I mentioned this on your show earlier, but 
I love a Sunday crowd because a, yep. a Thursday night crowd is pretty crazy. They got to go to work the next day. Sunday night crowd, especially in Minnesota, they are drinking. This is a weekend yeah. night, and they have a full week of work ahead of them. That the first two days are just going to be getting over the hangover, and um, so yeah, come on. Come on Sunday, and there aren't many tickets left, are there, Murray? I don't think. Not too many tickets left. No, tickets so buy your tickets now. Don't be a silly goose. There's one ticket left, so you better hurry. You can split it in half if the person you bring with you sits on your lap. That's exactly right. I advise that for couples, not guy friends. I will tell you something. can be uncomfortable. I really, really enjoyed this whole situation because I was just – you know, like I said, for me, it's a local thing. For you, it's an international thing. But to hear you be so honest about this, I don't get the chance to do that. I'm glad that you well, took this chance to do that. It was really interesting to hear. Well, thank you for saying it. And I had fun talking with you on your other show. I'm- Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So, what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. thing is that podcasting in the weirdest way can allow people to be truly truly authentic that's how mark yep. Marin became who he is now right but uh you know i think we've had some time from stuff and we've learned some hard lessons and the luckiest thing is because kate and i are so solid and we've known each other since college um you know we have each other's back on everything like i like this is a weird example but i do think it's really funny uh, she doesn't get drunk that often, but when she does, it magnifies how she's feeling. And so we went to a friend's house. All of Kate's friends are over the age of 70, by the way. So we went to a friend's house. She rolls with the septuagenarian crew. So we went to a friend's house, and she was just so stressed and feeling so horrible and depressed. And just me- she's either melancholy or full-on depressed lately. 
And we went there, and, uh, you know, this friend kept encouraging her. We're like, have a drink, you know what I mean? Like, medicate, sit down, relax. And she had a couple of drinks, and she just got so drunk that she was just, like, yelling about stuff. And then when I would come over to give her a hug, she'd push me away or punch me. And, uh, Sounds like and, your mom. And, yeah, and, uh, and Cynthia, who we were with, was... Uh, you know, appalled at this. Oh, yeah. Kate also drunk texted all of our siblings, hers and ours, uh, get out of our lives permanently. That's why. Fuck, fuck off permanently. And never, you're never welcome in our house again. That way our kids don't have to meet you. Oh. And we don't have kids yet. That is heavy duty. Think of all the money That's you saved duty. on Christmas cards. She, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, no more Christmas true. gifts. And, uh, you know, she apologized for the next day, but her friend was saying, like, don't drunk text that TJ. Tell her she can't do this. And I was like, no. I mean, she kind of, we really do. I was like, if I was her, if I was exactly her, this is exactly how I would be acting. So why should I take it personally? That's totally fine. Right. And that segues into a story about when she got <laughs> drunk in San Francisco and she... She got really drunk, and she was upset with me about something else from a long time ago. And she's not mean about it, but she was just full-on punching me in the face. like just. And she has a pretty strong left hook. Okay. It's weird because she's right-handed, but she's a scrappy Michigan chick. And I was, But I was carrying her, and she, like a toddler, kept like doing that thing where you put your arms up so you slide <laughs> down to the ground. So I had to keep fucking picking her up. She's half my size, but keep picking her up. So I'm holding her, kind of helping her get back to the hotel room, and she's just wailing on me. And all you know, there were like three people at the front desk, and you could tell they were either like looking at their computers but not working, just <laughs> trying not to make eye contact. And then I had one girl kind of look at me like, "Do you want me to call the police?" And I just gave her this face like, "Buddy, this has happened before. Everything's a okay." <laughs> As you can see, I'm not returning fire, and she is just like. Just, just punching me in the face full on like I had a, a black eye the next day and everything and you know we get up and she's like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I'm 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 always sort of in the mindset of like look you had to have that night like it's okay I'll be a punching bag I'm built like a fucking ox right so you know get into it I don't encourage it no obviously no no that's not but, I, but I, I do sort of I, you know I do maybe that's the Marcus Aurelius that I've been reading but I do believe like you know, everything is as it should be to a certain extent. And the best way to live your life is to remind yourself that if you were the other person, because we always say, if I was him, I would never have done something like that. Well, that's wrong. If you were that person, then your life and your history would be exactly what it is. And so you would absolutely do that thing. You would absolutely act that way. You would absolutely be rude to your older sibling. And so I just kind of, I mean, she's a Buddhist, so for her it's kind of a, a f philosophical kind of Zen thing. But I'm a nihilist, and so it's a little bit different. Well, I'm an absurdist, really, but it's a little bit different. But it's very, um, it's very relaxed because there's just so little to take personally. That's why uh, Zach Woods, uh, who's who's on Silicon Valley, and he's right. not, oh, he's the yeah. funniest. He's the funniest. And he's never, this is real, he has never seen anything that he's ever done. And he's been working oh, for yeah. like 10 years. Yeah. He's never watched anything. He's also never read a critical review of himself. Good move. He doesn't have any social media. 
and um, I mean, he's he's a lovable basket case. So I, it's also important to keep his sanity at a level where he can work. And um, uh, but a truly a brilliant guy, but just cannot watch himself. Tom Cruise, unless he's producing the movie, he he will not watch a frame of a film that he's in. They and, are all the same. And I watch, right, yeah, he's like, is this Mission Impossible 3 or Jack Ryan? What's happening here? He forgets. He's done so many movies. I bet he does forget. I, I've done enough movies now that I've, like, sometimes I'll forget I was in Rock of Ages and had a scene with, like, Tom Cruise. But So he's the same way. I instead watch almost everything that I do because... Um, I learn from it. So I watch and I'm like, ah, I wish they would have taken this take or they could have given me a little bit more space or I, I probably should have, you know, done it with a different cadence. So to me, it's just all studying. And then critical reviews, I used to say that it was like they were writing about another person and I was just reading about it also. Um, but now it's more of a like, it just feels like work in the sense that I look at, I just need to know what people's opinion of the projects that I'm doing is. And uh, luckily, I've, I'm in films that I'm a fan of. Like, I was really excited to see Ready Player One, and I'm, I'm really excited to see Deadpool 2. And these are movies that I would go to, you know? And a lot of people do films that they would just simply not go to. I, I don't do movies like that, which I've heard is very funny. Cock Blockers, that movie about the parents trying to stop the kids from having sex right. on prom night. Right. I don't do movies like that because they stick a funnel in John Cena's butthole and he butt chugs beer, but then farts and it comes out of the funnel into the wow. face so of the guy who's holding it. And that guy's like, ow, ass beer. And I'm just like... Okay, there are people that'll do that, and they're good at it, and I'm going to let you guys do that. And I'll be over here in blockbuster oh, land. Yeah. I saw, I was on a plane, so I didn't have any choice. I had to watch it. I watched Dirty Grandpa. I'm like, Robert De Niro, what no. are you doing? I had no choice. I like that you're like, well, uh, I've watched like everything else. It was like a train wreck. I mean, you, it's hard not to watch it. It's, wait a minute, what are you doing? Yeah, and Zac Efron... Uh, God bless his soul, because uh, he's also at CAA. He's a, um, you know, he's not a comedian. He's like a musical theater dude. Yeah. And so the two of them trying to do a movie with just the studio being like, well, it's Robert De Niro, and he's super famous, and Zac Efron guarantees box office. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these films are just money grabs. You know, I mean, they're just cash grabs. For De Niro, I think he probably made, I don't know, he probably made like $10 million for that. I don't so think he he's wanted out the of check. money, though. I know, but there's this weird thing, because I'm really good friends with Wahlberg. There's this weird thing where once you have a certain amount of money, which I think is around $20 million, um, you don't really need to work anymore. But for some reason, you get addicted yeah. to making more money, to the work. You want to keep working. You worked so hard to get to that place. And so you just keep working and working and working and working and working. And I think some of these guys, too, are thinking, especially De Niro, are thinking, all right, if I'm going to retire at some point here and I want to retain the lifestyle I have, which is that I don't fly commercially because that just doesn't work. There's too many people that, right. um, you know, then they, they, they feel scared and so they need that. Just like we all do with our retirement, we kind of 
you know, we want to have the money to maintain the lifestyle that we have. And uh, luckily, Kate and I don't have a particularly expensive lifestyle. But, you know, I think they're cash grab movies like that. And then everybody looked at Emoji Movie and said, that's just a cash grab for you, TJ. And that's not the case. I got paid SAG union minimum. So I got paid minimum wage for what my union allows. And it's, you know, it's for kids. And they were going to make it anyway. Like, Sony was making that movie, whether it was my voice or not. And so I did a pass on the script and said, let's try and make this the funniest, best emoji movie of all time. And then it's an original property. You know, so many of these movies are Hotel Transylvania 5 and all this stuff. And it's like, I'm not going to join a... Well, I joined a franchise in Transformers 4, but that was uh, a reboot. Because then they had Wahlberg instead of Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. LaBooboos. Um, LaBoofarino. I also like to call him, um, <laughs> who's the one I always make fun of? Oh, Ashton Kutchner's. I like Kutcher. to say that. Kutchner? No, yeah. I like, you know, Kutchner? I like Kutchner's. Nice. Like there's multiples kid. of him. But that guy's a guy who does. He likes money. You know, he invests in Silicon Valley stuff. And so there are people I think that really, really love the money and they want to have a boat. You know, they want to have a big yacht and a captain and that kind of thing. And I'm just happy with, uh, you know, we got a drop down screen and a projector and that's all I ever wanted. My father had a movie theater go. in our house growing up and it was just my favorite thing in the world. And I thought it was so cool. And it's such a wonderful social thing to invite people over to see a film. Uh, so like, we're good, you know? And, uh, I think there will be a point where, and that the idea is there will be a point where some years I just do stand up and maybe I I only do it for six months out of the year or something. But if it's hopefully I get to a point where if it's not a movie that I want to be in, then I don't have to be in it. And that's the way it's been for most of my life, which is I'm very fortunate for that. I mean, that's that's pretty rare. But the fame thing within the last year is just like it's so weird. It's like um you know, it's like you were so lucky at the table at a casino or something like that. And you're so lucky and you're, you're drinking free drinks nonstop and you're spending hours and hours and hours and hours at the craps table because you're winning, 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 winning. And then suddenly you're like, holy shit, I have $2,000. And then, and I've been so lucky and this is fantastic. And then the casino's like, oh, those drinks weren't free. Uh, your tab is nine hundred dollars, and you're like, "God exactly. damn it! This was going so well, and now I'm fucked." They, you know, actually, it's more like they come in and they're like, "You drank twenty five hundred dollars worth of liquor," and you're 2, like, 000. "Well, there it goes." Now I just, I guess I owe the casino five hundred dollars, uh, and I work a lot of casinos, so I see people that kind of are in that position. They're like, "I'm so lucky." And then they just go and, you know, they're on a winning streak and they just put quarters into a slot machine and then suddenly everything they won is totally gone. Casinos are really hard to do stand-up in because, and I, I like that, I think that's an interesting challenge, but your audience essentially, casinos and awards shows are the hardest. Casinos, you're essentially playing to an audience of losers, I mean, yeah, truly, you got to think about that. It's them coming and being like, well, I got to see a show because I don't want to go home and just say I lost money. 
Um, and if you're winning, you don't go fucking see the guy from Yogi Bear 3D. You stay at the table where you keep playing. So the only people in there are losers, and they're not in a great mood. So you got to really elevate them. I understand. And you do not make fun of gambling because they are not happy with gambling at that moment. And then awards shows, I didn't understand why it was so... Um, I just didn't understand why it was so hard. It just was a really cold audience. And then I realized they're all drinking a lot because they're nervous. And all all of them are, you know, thinking about their speeches and what if I win? Well, only one person wins from all the nominees. So as an award show goes on, <laughs> there more, more losers. there's more losers in the room. So they slowly uh. fill the room with all losers except for like uh. 25 people. And when you win an award, you don't go back in the audience. And there's a winner's VIP lounge and you're drinking champagne and all this shit. So it's, I'd say the last hour of an awards show especially if it's live is like you really got to go hard and bring a type of energy that is like almost inauthentic to try. All right, guys. All right. Who's ready to hear best picture for editing. All right, here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have to get TJ on stage in about five minutes. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and uh, I won't, I, I might not be able to get uh, the uh, Carhartt jeans that I have. I'm wearing pants that my wife, sort of likes the look of them and I don't really care what I look like uh, I always say that I uh, and this is also in the act I say that I dress like an asshole on purpose because I like to stop arguments uh, between people in cars at intersections and I'll explain because if I didn't that would be the strangest single yeah, statement interesting. Uh, but I do I mean have you ever been in an argument with somebody in a car at a stoplight and you're like well, if you just didn't say that kind of stuff to my mother, then she wouldn't respond like that. Oh, what, so I'm supposed to censor everything that I say? I just have to censor everything I want to say to your mother? No, I'm not saying that. Just, like, have a filter, and then both of you stop arguing for a second, and you're both, like, somebody's crossing the pedestrian walkway, and you're like, look at this fucking guy. Well, he's an idiot. What, look, how, look how he's dressed. And then they go back to the argument. It's like, you know what? You're right. I could think, pick and choose what I say to your mother. So it's a benevolent act, even in that. But I, I came here and found out I didn't have a suit pants to my suit because I always wear a suit on stage. Right. So I had to go on stage yesterday with these stupid, skinny sweatpant things that like are practically capris. Joggers. And just feel like an idiot. They're called joggers. They're called joggers or jaggers. Yeah. Joggers. Joggers. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm wearing a pair of joggers. I'd rather be in MC Hammer pants than parachute pants. Now we're talking. Um, but yeah, it's you know, I mean, hopefully I'll have time to get the appropriate pants You'll for tonight. Get, you will get them on, TJ Miller. There are no tickets left now. Sunday. Still got tickets Sunday. Uh, just, Sunday. 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 How many? Let's bit. talk for real. How let's many? Talk, do we let's talk for real. Okay, we'll talk for real. TJ at Rick Bronson's house comedy, but everything's all sold out except for Sunday, and we're gonna find Sunday seven thirty. We're gonna find out how many we have. If you tweet me, I'm at not TJ Miller. If you tweet at me, the first person to tweet, I'll get two comp tickets. But um, how many do we have? Sixty left. Ooh, those are gonna go fast. All right, so guys, get into that because there's also a lot of walk ups. So. Yep. Buy your tickets. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I try and get here every year, but I also try and cover the entire country. Yep. And like we're going to Scandinavia in a little bit, and we I, I also do Canada. 
So, you know, get the tickets because I might not be able to come back for a year and a half, two years, or something like that. And if two great films come to me, well, there goes six to eight months, you know? There you have it. So then I have to play just the large markets because that's, you know, I need to make as many people laugh as possible. So you you have to play a theater of a thousand or something like that because you can't go to a club and do an intimate show for, right. you know, a few hundred people, which I much, much prefer. I understand, sir. Well, I appreciate it. I, like I said, I'm, I'm looking at it. You got to talk about a lot of things. You're, you don't get a chance to talk about it. It was great to I just witness it. Great having a conversation with you. Thank you, DJ. Much love. Proper to each and every one of you. Tell your wife I said she married way up. <laughs> way, way up. And the only reason I say that, honestly, is because you see a picture of Kate. I married so far up that I don't know. I think there might be something wrong with her. Well, that, yeah. Well, I mean, I get the same situation. I mean, to have any kind of intercourse with me, social or sexual, <laughs> something's got to be wrong with you. We'll be. I look back like a toddler you. took a growth serum, <laughs> and then and then walks around with a clown wig on. I don't think so. I don't. I got a jaw so. like a horse. We'll be back, Tom Bernardo. <laughs> Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Knobloch. <laughs> Chuck Knobloch. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. This is Judy. Make the Yuletide gay. I'm not oh, a that, that used to be a, you know, a, 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 a sign of a really good singer. Is it Grand Rapids? That's where she's from, right? Yeah. 
What was her name? Gum? Yeah. Yeah, Francis Gum. Francis Gum. Huh. More nerd knowledge. Isn't that Meryl Streep's real name, too? Or she married somebody named Gum or something, didn't she? I don't know. Because uh, my nerd knowledge ends. Don't they have a... They have a daughter, like... Meryl Streep is Mary Streep. Yeah, but I mean, she married... Didn't she marry some guy named Gum or something? Don Gummer. She found someone to marry. That's what it is. She found some some poor guy that could stand her. (sighs) The guy had a a white cane with a red tip on it. You know that story about Dino De Laurentiis and her, don't you? No. No. God, it's, it's really... I can't stand that woman, but I felt so bad when I heard this. Apparently, Tino De Laurentiis was putting together a cast for a movie, and somebody sent over Meryl Streep, and he's standing there talking to them, and he says to them in Italian, why did you send me such a homely woman? (laughs) And she speaks Italian, Mm. and she said, I'm sorry to have disappointed you with my homely looks. Oh, God. You imagine how bad you That's why the world's got to pay now. You should have known. I mean, she dated Fredo. She did, that's right. She dated Fredo. That's right. In uh, Deer Hunter, Fredo. I'm smart. Well, if you're wondering how Meryl Streep found someone to marry her, uh, <laughs> Don Gummer is a sculptor who gives postmodern life to classic principles of abstract composition. Yeah, they're both nuts. Yeah, that's great. That's how they got those kids got together. I just love these people, and and. You know, uh, John Voight and Angelina Jolie are getting along and talking a little bit now. And did you, well, did you hear what Angelina said, how, how they worked it out? No. John Voight? Her father. Yeah, that's her father. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not pretty. No clue. They said, <laughs> I'm going to guess they uh, reconciled because they both hate Republicans and or Trump. No, no. He's a big-time Trump guy oh. and a Republican. Mm. He's a big-time Republican. She said that when I talked to John, she calls her own father John, okay, which you won't be doing, Andy, anytime soon. No. Yes, Tom. Just I know behind what you're his doing. back. Anyway, she said, well, John and I have found an avenue uh, through which we can speak to one another. We, we only speak of art. Oh, my God. Oh, God, I hate you so much. loveliness. Honestly, we, we, through our art, we speak through our art. Really? <laughs> Art Fleming? Give me a break. Vom, as they say It's in true. These Hollywood, <laughs> listen, you scum of the earth that attack people sexually every chance you get, but you, you're the high and mighty. Okay. I get it. I've met very few actors I could stand being near. I do like some of them. Rain Wilson's a guy, nice guy. He was on today. Really good guy. Really. Dwight Schrute? Dwight mm-hmm. Schrute, exactly. <laughs> Dwight Schrute. Arguably... Inarguably, his most famous role. Oh, yeah. definitely. Well, he played Backstrom for a couple of years. That was a phenomenal oh, show, but right. they canceled it. Yeah, mm-hmm. forgot about that. Yeah, he show. has a movie called Permanent about he he's married to Patricia Arquette, and their daughter gets a, a permanent hair yeah. permanent. Mm-hmm. A and perm, I guess you a, mean? A perm, yeah. yeah. Well, it's called permanent, permanent wave. Permanent was the... wave. I've never heard them called a permanent. It's always a perm. Well, that's a sixties, seventies yeah. version of it. Yeah, but. The movie's called Permanent. That's why I did say ah. it that way. And it's uh, hair hairstyles are temporary, family is permanent. <laughs> that's the slogan. That's the slogan of the movie. So I do want to see that because I think he's just terrific. Oh, he does a wonderful job. He, when he was on uh, The Office. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. 
what was his thing about he circumcised himself when he was two? <laughs> Everything about his heritage and culture just cracks me up. But I remember he showed up as the Belch nickel for Christmas the with, the, with, the, with the uh, thatch of, of reeds to beat people with. Yeah. He was just wonderful. He still is wonderful. He's a great yeah, interview. They you must know, have had fun writing that character. I don't know if you know about his whole uh, private life, but he has a no. magnet. He and his wife set up uh, these charities that teach people around the world. Right now, it's uh, Lide, Lide, L-I-D-E, Lide, Haiti. They give money to countries around the world to teach literacy, <laughs> which I think is magnificent. I mean, it's, you know... There they are right there, teaching literacy. What the hell? But no, I, don't you think that's one of They give tons and tons and that's tons of wonderful. money. Because if you can't read or write, you got no shot. Exactly. You have no shot at all. So that's the kind of great guy he is, and his wife is a wonderful person as well. So see, what I, oh, nothing but happy stories from down here. Yay! The yeah. wind has changed. The wind has changed. The winds have shifted. <laughs> There we what? go. Okay, <laughs> it's the, he's sneaking in those little uh, those little messages of music to Tom <laughs> to bring back the Charlie Brown. You just got to play Elvis for him. That's what he loves. Play him Elvis Christmas music. That'll put him in a better place. It's true. I'm surprised that you like Elvis as much as you do. I know it's because of your mom. But My don't... mother adores Elvis. Or adores Elvis, Elvis and your dad share the same birthday, right? Uh, mm-hmm. One day apart. Oh, okay. right. Elvis is the eighth. My dad is the ninth. And my brother Troy is the tenth. It is true, yes. Elvis' birthday, January 8th, 1935, because yep. my mother adored. Yeah, Elvis and, and Dean Martin, that was her big deal. And Glenn Miller, let's not forget that. Uh, what do you think of that? But anyway, no, that's why. I mean, I, I do remember when I was really, really small, my dad was yelling at my sister, Bobby, who's seven years older than me, so she was probably 12, I guess. You don't know what you're talking about, that music, that garbage music you play. It's the worst music I've ever heard. Now, this is music. And he unwraps this 45, which was a, it was called a single back then. The bird is the word. He puts it on, and it's Love Me Tender by Elvis Presley. <laughs> it's like, Dad, that is who she listens to. I don't know mm. if you know that or not. You might like his love story, but he didn't like Jailhouse Rock, but he loved Love Me Tender. Didn't pay attention to the name, I guess. That's interesting. Never this garbage. This is Christmas. That's fantastic. One of the best scenes in that is when he's the safety inspector and he has a uh, starts the fire. Yeah, he starts the Mm -hmm. fire. He is wonderful. Did you watch the British version of The Office? I did, yes. I like Ricky Gervais then, not oh, now. Yeah. He's really yeah, he, annoying. He, he yeah. really what annoying. you like now? He's so arrogant, it is unbelievable. He got really, really, really preachy. Did. At first, he was just hilarious and wonderful, but as soon as he broke big, he got real preachy. About well, it's, it's like the, the writer of the IT crowd, um, whatever, yeah. whatever his name is, he got the same way. As mm-hmm. soon as he got a, a modicum of fame... He became Mr. Preachy, holier than thou. And he was great hosting award shows. The first two or three years he did it. The last time he did it was not so good. No. But when he went after those celebrities, it was just perfect. It was great. It was. I used to think he was very, very funny on The Office. Did you see Extras? Extras Mm -hmm. was fantastic. That was a great series, too. That was fantastic. Have you ever seen that, Ralph? No. 
No. It's, he's an extra in, in movies and film, and he and his buddy, and they're just constantly around real celebrities and stuff. It's pretty pretty well done. It, it was Steve uh, uh, with Merchant. Merchant, right. Steve Merchant is playing his secretary, remember? Yeah. And he walks out, and you know those pens you tip up upside down, and the dress falls off right. the woman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he walks out of his office, and Steve Merchant is looking at this pen, and Ricky Ray goes, are you tossing one off to a pen? <laughs> <laughs> He's got the woman stripping. Ooh. Yeah. I used to have those glasses. Remember those? Where you filled it up. You'd and then... fill it up and their clothes would vanish and there'd be a girl in a bikini underneath. Yep. Or, no. Yeah. I yeah. Those, were, those were the big deal. They were like those frosted Christmas glasses. But you get that at the same store as the then naked we, lady tees. I wonder tees. why there's yeah. problems in America. Yeah. I'm getting Catherine the naked lady tees. <laughs> here's a... Here's a... Here's a... Uh, Shrewd, um quote Shrewdism. from season one. In the wild, there is no health care. In the wild, health care is, ow, I hurt my leg. I can't run. A lion eats me. I'm dead. Well, I'm not dead. I'm the lion. You're dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> the hell does that even mean? I love, I love that stuff. Oh, he's such that. a great character. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, a terrific character. character. It was, no question. <laughs> Charleville, Australia had a huge shindig prepared for the town's 150th anniversary. Then they realized that they were three years too late. Mayor Annie Liston says some locals believe the town of 5,000 people was officially recognized in 1868, but a check of Queensland state records revealed the correct year was 1865. Yeah, you wouldn't want to check the record. Yeah. You, oh, I'm pretty sure it was 68. It's fine. They think they're CNN? That makes no yeah oh Catherine with a shot about the uh, the Russian dossier thing Ugh. yes it was September fourth no actually it was the fourteenth do you want to read that we made a mistake it is so impossible <laughs> can anyone at this table watch any news channel nope. it's harder and I don't. harder every I like BBC week. News yeah yeah BBC, a lot of people like BBC mm-hmm. News that's, what that's I watch. true the, the, we, we had a dinner we had a dinner party on on Saturday night and the, the topic came up. And two people who are intense uh, newsies who both uh, say that they read and double day and double check all their facts uh-huh. had absolutely di- di- diabetically opposed views on one topic that they had read about years ago. Oh, yeah. And I said, okay, well, there, you, you, you're doing that. You, it still doesn't work. Right. No, it doesn't work. I mean, honestly, you can't get. Do we have a caller? Yeah. Who's our caller? Joe from Louisville. Joe! What's up? What are you doing, man? I heard you're working. Yeah, I am. Well, I'm on break right now. How many breaks a day do you get? Three. He's oh, a union man. man. That's, yeah. Means I'd have to take one every hour when I'm on the morning show. That'd be great. So what's happening, um, man? I just called in with my own uh, sexual harassment story. Oh, really? And, Molina, you're going to have to do a little bit of editing here. Um, in 2004, I was moving into a new house with my girlfriend, who was about to give birth to my daughter about three days later. I was having a buddy of mine help me move a bed into the upstairs through the window that was open. Um, very, very old house, very narrow stairway. Yeah. So we had to take it through the window. Yeah, we had one well, of he those. He walked by my girlfriend and spanked her on the butt. I said, dude, don't do that. Wait about five minutes later, he does it again. I said, dude, you really got to not do that. About 10 minutes later, he does it again. I said, look, you touch my girlfriend's ass again, I'm going to throw you out that fucking window. It's like talking to myself. <laughs> I, I understand completely. Why, did he give you any reason why he was doing it? 
No, I just it's just the way he is. Do you still hang out with this guy? Nope. Well, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, you wouldn't think. So he smacks a pregnant woman three days away from giving birth on the butt, what, three, four times? Three times. Three times. Right in front of me. That's unbelievable. Why would you do that? And he was married at the time. Oh. Oh, well, I'm sure the wife, uh, the missus, as they say, I'm sure she appreciated that. I don't even smack Catherine on the butt ever. Thank you. Probably, Thank you for not start, doing that. I'm going to start smacking Catherine on the butt. Uh, hey, I, I, hey, yeah. you little filly. Yeah, that, <laughs> that <laughs> so Honey, great. I guess I owe you a lot of apologies. I apologize right now. <laughs> I don't like advanced. all that. Nah. All that what? Slapping stuff, no. Yeah, I'm not big on that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want my dude. Hey, Tom, you <laughs> see they punch you in the arm. It's like, well, why are you hitting me? Yeah. Don't hit me. All right, Joe, well, did you kill him or not? Nope. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's he good. He inside and he took off. It's a good plan, man. Uh, what else is happening? Not much. Same old deal. Are you back at work? You're happy now? Everything is good? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Oh. Jesus, feels like Minnesota outside. Oh, yeah, it is very, very cold. Well, well didn't you say it was, what, what was the temperature the other day you told me? Uh, it was really cold. Hold on. Hold on, we're doing a radio show. What do you mean, hold on? <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's 33 and windy right now. 33 and windy. Uh, it's balmy. Like it's spring, yeah. It's 23 <laughs> that's, here. That's t-shirt and car washing weather here in Minnesota, <laughs> That's Joe. about it. Well, it is 19 mile an hour winds. Here? Yeah, no, it's in cold. Louisville. Oh, in Louisville, oh, it's 19 really? mile an hour winds. It feels cold here, <laughs> That man. is cold. Oof. 33 and 20 mile an hour winds. We've got 17 and 5 mile an hour, so it's, you know. It's only 17. So I, you win. I prefer colder <laughs> and stiller, though. I will tell you Me this, too. Joe. I don't like the wind. I had to put air in my tires because my tires were, I got the signal that the cold weather had made my tires uh, lose air. Yep. Uh, Putting air in my tires, I thought my hands were going to freeze off. I thought you were going to go down and get the nitrogen. I do have to get the nitrogen. I also get a, have to get a pair of gloves. That's not a bad plan. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you whoa. have 500 pairs of gloves. I do? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean nitrogen? You put Doug nitrogen in your, uh, in, your tires. in your tires. And then yeah. you don't get those weird fluctuations all the, in the winter where you're... Um, what they tell me. That's your Doug's tires Brenthal. lose. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's what he said. All right, Joe, we got to go, I man. Get back to work. What if you get a leak in that tire and you're out there having a, a heater? We blow will. right up. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's <laughs> we'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. This is Judy. Make the Yuletide gay. I'm not oh, a that, that used to be a, you know, a, that's a, they do a it sign of a really Rapids. good singer. Is it Grand Rapids? That's where she's from, right? Yeah. yeah. What was her name? Gum? Yeah. Yeah, Francis Gum. Francis, Francis Gum. Gum. Huh. More nerd knowledge. Isn't that Meryl Streep's real name, too? Or she married somebody named Gum or something, didn't she? I don't know. Because uh, my nerd knowledge ends. Don't they have a... They have a daughter, like Meryl Streep is Mary Streep. Yeah, but I mean, she married. Didn't she marry some guy named Gum or Don something? Gummer. She Don found someone Gummer. Gummer. That's what it is. She Gummer? found somebody. She found some poor guy that could stand her. 
guy had a, had a white cane with a red Never tip on it. God, you know that story about Dino De Laurentiis and her, don't you? No. no. God, it's, it's really, I can't stand that woman, but I felt so bad when I heard this. Apparently, Dino De Laurentiis was putting together a cast for a movie, and somebody sent over Meryl Streep. And he's standing there talking to them, and he says to them in Italian, why did you send me such a homely woman? <laughs> and she speaks Italian. And she said, I'm sorry to have disappointed you with my homely looks. Oh, God. You imagine how bad you That's why the world's got to pay now. You should have known. I mean, she dated Fredo. That's right. She dated Fredo. That's right. In uh, Deer Hunter. Fredo. I'm smart. Well, if you're wondering how Meryl Streep found someone to marry her, uh, (laughs) Don Gummer is a sculptor who gives postmodern life to classic principles of abstract composition. Okay. Yeah, they're both nuts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> great. That's, that's how they got those kids got together. <laughs> I just love these people. And, and you know, uh, John Voigt and Angelina Jolie are getting along and talking a little bit now. And did you, well, did you hear what Angelina said, how, how they worked it out? No. John Voigt. Her father. Yeah, that's her father. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not true. No clue. I'm going to guess they uh, reconciled because they both hate Republicans and or Trump. No, no, he's a big-time Trump guy oh. and a Republican. Mm. He's a big-time Republican. She said that when I talked to John, she calls her own father John, okay, which you won't be doing, Andy, anytime soon. No. Yes, Tom, Just I know what you behind his back. Anyway, she said, well, John and I have found an avenue uh, through which we can speak to one another. We we only speak of art. Oh, my God. Oh, God, I hate you so much. loveliness. Honestly, we, we, through our art, we speak through our art. Really? <laughs> art Fleming? Give me a break. Vom, <laughs> as they say It's in true. These Hollywood, <laughs> listen, you scum of the earth that attack people sexually every chance you get, but you, you're the high and mighty. Okay. I get it. I've met very few actors I could stand being near. I do like some of them. Rain Wilson's a guy, nice guy. He was on today. Really good guy. Really. Dwight Schrute? Dwight mm-hmm. Schrute, exactly. <laughs> Dwight Schrute. Arguably, inarguably, his most famous role. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, he played Backstrom for a couple of years. That was a phenomenal oh, show, but they right. canceled it. Yeah, mm-hmm. forgot about that yeah, He show. has a movie called Permanent. About he, He's married to Patricia Arquette, and their daughter gets a, a permanent Air yeah. permanent. Mm-hmm. A and perm, I guess you a, mean? A perm, yeah. yeah. Well, permanent, permanent wave. Permanent the... wave I've never heard them called a permanent. It's okay, always a perm. Well, that's a today, 60s, 70s yeah. version of it. Yeah. But the movie's called Permanent. That's why I did ah. say it that way. And it's uh, hairstyles hair are temporary. Family is permanent. <laughs> that's the slogan. <laughs> that's the slogan of the movie. So I do want to see that because I think he's just terrific. Oh, he does a wonderful job. He, when he was on uh, The Office. Oh, God. <laughs> had, what was his thing about? He circumcised himself when he was two. <laughs> Everything about his heritage and culture just cracks me up. But I remember he showed up as the Belschnickel for Christmas. The with the, oh, yeah. with the uh, thatch of, of reeds to beat people with. Yeah. He was just wonderful. He still is wonderful. He's a great yeah, interview. They you must know, have had fun writing that character. I don't know if you know about his whole uh, private life, but he has a mm-hmm. magnet. He and his wife set up uh, these charities that teach people around the world. Right now, it's uh, Lide, Lide, L-I-D-E, Lide, Haiti. They give money to countries around the world to teach literacy. 
which I think is magnificent. I mean, it's, you know, there they are right there teaching literacy. What the hell? But <laughs> no, I, don't you think that's wonderful? They give tons and tons and tons wonderful. of money. Because if you can't read or write, you got no shot. Exactly. You have no shot at all, so. That's the kind of great guy he is, and his wife is a wonderful person as well. So see what I'm, oh, nothing but happy stories from down here. Yay! On this end. <laughs> the wind has changed. The wind has changed. The winds have shifted. There we go. Okay, <laughs> He's sneaking in those little uh, those little messages of music to Tom to bring back the <laughs> Charlie Brown. You just got to play Elvis for him. That's what he loves. Play him Elvis Christmas music. That'll put him in a better place. It's true. I'm surprised that you like Elvis as much as you do. I know it's because of your mom. But My mother adores Elvis. Or adored Elvis, Elvis and your dad share the same birthday, right? Uh, one day apart. Oh, okay. right. Elvis is the eighth. My dad is the ninth. And my brother Troy is the tenth. It is true, yes. Elvis' birthday, January 8th, 1935, because yep. my mother adored. Yeah, Elvis and, and Dean Martin, that was her big deal. And Glenn Miller, let's not forget that. Uh, what do you think of that? But anyway, no, that's why. I mean, I, I do remember when I was really, really small, my dad was yelling at my sister, Bobby, who's seven years older than me, so she was probably 12, I guess. You don't know what you're talking about, that music, that garbage music you play. It's the worst music I've ever heard. Now, this is music. And he unwraps this 45, which was a, it's called a single back then. The bird is the word. He puts it on, and it's Love Me Tender by Elvis Presley. <laughs> it's like, Dad, that is who she listens to. I don't know if you know that or not. You might like his love story, but he didn't like Jailhouse Rock, but he loved Love Me Tender. Didn't pay attention to the name, I guess. That's interesting. Never this garbage. This is Christmas. Slip the white shirt. That's fantastic. Oh, one of the best scenes in that is when he's the safety inspector and he has a uh, starts the fire. Yeah, he starts the mm-hmm. fire. <laughs> He is wonderful. Did you watch guy. the British version of The Office? I did, yes. I like Ricky Gervais then, not oh, now. Yeah. He's really yeah, annoying. He's yeah. really what annoying. You like now? He's so arrogant, it is unbelievable. He got really, really, really preachy. Did. At first, he was just hilarious and wonderful, but as soon as he broke big, he got real preachy. About... Well, it's, it's like the, the writer of the IT crowd, um, whatever, yeah. whatever his name is, he got the same way. As mm-hmm. soon as he got a, a modicum of fame... He became Mr. Preachy, holier than thou. And he was great hosting award shows. The first two or three oh, years he did. Yeah. The last time he did it was not so good. No. But when he went after those celebrities, it was just perfect. It was great. I mean, it was. I used to think he was very, very funny on The Office. Did you see was. Extras? Extras mm-hmm. was fantastic. That was a great that series, too. Really that was series. fantastic. Have you ever seen that, Ralph? No. no. He's an extra in, in movies and film, and he and his buddy, and they're just constantly around... Real celebrities and stuff. It's pretty pretty well done. It was Steve uh, uh, with Merchant. Merchant, right? Steve Merchant is playing his secretary. Remember? Yeah. And he walks out. And, you know those pens you tip up upside down and the dress falls off right. the woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he walks out of his office, and Steve Merchant is looking at this pen, and Ricky Ray goes, "Are you tossing one off to a pen?" <laughs> <laughs> He's got the woman stripping. Ooh. Yeah. They used to have those glasses. Remember those? 
Where you filled it up and you'd then fill it up and their clothes would vanish and there'd be a girl in a bikini underneath. Yep. Or, no, yeah. I yeah. Those, were, those were the big deal. They were like those frosted Christmas glasses. But you get that at the same store as the then naked we, lady tees. I wonder tees. why there's yeah. problems in America. Yeah. I'm getting Catherine the naked lady tees. <laughs> here's a here's a here's a uh, shrewd um, quote. Shrewdism from season one. In the wild, there is no health care. In the wild, health care is, ow, I hurt my leg. I can't run. A lion eats me. I'm dead. Well, I'm not dead. I'm the lion. You're dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> the hell does that even mean? I, I love that stuff. Oh, he's such a great character. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, a terrific character. character. It was, no question. <laughs> Charleville, Australia had a huge shindig prepared for the town's 150th anniversary. Then they realized that they were three years too late. Mayor Annie Liston says some locals believe the town of 5,000 people was officially recognized in 1868, but a check of Queensland state records revealed the correct year was 1865. Yeah, you wouldn't want to check the record. Yeah. You, oh, I'm pretty sure it was 68. It's fine. They think they're CNN? That makes no... Yeah. Oh, Catherine with a shout <laughs> about the, uh, the Russian dossier thing. Ugh. Yes, it was September 4th. No, actually, it was the 14th. Do you want to read that? We made a mistake. It is so <laughs> impossible. Can anyone at this table watch any news channel? Nope. It's harder and I don't. harder every week. I like BBC week. News. Yeah, yeah BBC, a lot of people like BBC mm-hmm. News. That's, That's true. We had, a dinner, we had a dinner party on Saturday night, and a topic came up. And two people who are intense uh, newsies who both uh, say that yeah, they dude. read and double-check and double all their facts. Uh-huh. Had absolutely di- di- diabetically opposed views on one topic that they had read about years ago. Oh yeah. And I said, okay, well, there, you, you, you're doing that. You, it still doesn't work. Right. No, it doesn't work. I mean, honestly, they can't get. Do we have a caller? Yeah. Who's our caller? Joe from Louisville. Joe. What's up? What are you doing, man? I, I heard you're working. Yeah, I am. Well, I'm on break right now. How many breaks a day do you get? Three. He's oh, a union man. man. That's yeah. Means I'd have to take one every hour when I'm on the morning show. That'd be great. So what's happening, um, man? I just called in with my own uh, sexual harassment story. Oh really? And Molina, you're gonna have to do a little bit of editing here. Um, in 2004, I was moving into a new house with my girlfriend, who was about to give birth to my daughter about three days later. I was having a buddy of mine help me move a bed into the upstairs through the window. That was open. Um, very, very old house. Very narrow stairway. Yeah. So we had to take it through the window. Yeah, we had one well, of those. He lost my girlfriend spanked her on the butt. I said, dude, don't do that. Wait About five minutes later, he does it again. I said, dude, you really got to not do that. About ten minutes later, he does it again. I said, look, you touch my girlfriend's ass again, I'm going to throw you out that fucking window. It's like talking to myself. <laughs> I I understand completely. The why did he give you any reason why he was doing it? No, I just it's just the way he is. Do you still hang out with this guy? Nope. Well, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, you wouldn't think. So he smacks a pregnant woman three days away from giving birth on the butt. What three four times? Three times. Three times. Right in front of me. That's unbelievable. Why would you do that? And he was married at the time. Oh, oh! Well, I'm sure the wife, uh, the missus, as they say, I'm sure she appreciated that. I don't even smack Catherine on the butt ever. Thank you. Probably, Thank you for not start, doing that. I'm going to start smacking Catherine on the butt. Uh, hey, uh, hey, yeah. you little filly. Yeah, that's... <laughs> 
Hun- so honey, good. I guess I owe you a lot of apologies. I apologize right now. <laughs> I don't like advance. all that. Yeah. All that what? Slapping stuff. No. Yeah, I'm not big on that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want my dude. Hey, Tom, you see they punch you in the arm. It's like, well, why are you hitting me? Don't hit me. All right, Joe. Well, did you kill him or not? Nope. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's he good. inside and he took off. It's a good plan, man. Uh, what else is happening? Not much. Same old deal. Are you back at work? You're happy now? Everything is good? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Oh, Jesus. Feels like Minnesota outside. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is very, very cold. Well, well didn't you say it was... What, what was the temperature the other day you told me? Uh, it was really cold. Hold on, we're doing a radio show. What do you mean, hold on? <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's 33 it's, and windy right now. 33 and windy. Oh, it's balmy. Like it's spring, yeah. It's 23 <laughs> that's, here. That's t-shirt and car washing weather here in Minnesota, <laughs> that's Joe. That's about it. Well, it is 19 mile an hour winds. Here? Yeah, no, in Louisville. Oh, in Louisville, oh, it's 19 really? mile an hour winds. It feels cold here, <laughs> That man. is cold. Oof. 33 and 20 mile an hour winds. Yeah, we've got 17 and 5 mile an hour, so it's, you know. It's only 17. So why do you win? I prefer colder <laughs> and stiller, though. I will tell you Me this, too. Joe. I don't like the wind. I had to put air in my tires because my tires were, I got the signal that the cold weather had made my tires uh, lose air. Yep. Uh, Putting air in my tires, I thought my hands were going to freeze off. I thought you were going to go down and get the nitrogen. I do have to get the nitrogen. I also get a, have to get a pair of gloves. That's not a bad plan. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you whoa. have 500 pairs of gloves. I do? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean nitrogen? You put Doug nitrogen in your, uh, in, your tires. in your tires. And then yeah. you don't get those weird fluctuations all the, in the winter where you're... Um, what they tell me. That's your tires Renthal. lose... Yeah. Uh, uh, That's what he said. All right, Joe, we got to go, man. Get back to work. What if you get a leak in that tire and you're out there having a, a heater? We you blow will. right up. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. That's <laughs> we'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, the ultimate weight loss program powered by Nutmos is having an early holiday sale. Well, you'll receive 20 to 30% off the cost of the program. Shed those unwanted pounds and look great before the holidays get here. Lose 20 pounds or more. Consumer guarantee. See website for details, ultimatewl.com. Ultimate's plan is unlike any other weight loss program out there. With over 1 million pounds lost to date, and clients like me will tell you that this is a weight loss program that works. This plan is customized for each individual person, and the Ultimate Weight Loss staff will be there for you every step of the way. They help me change my life, and they can help you too. Start to live your healthiest life and schedule an immediate consultation in their new Edina location or Plymouth with expanded hours. And look great for the holidays. Sale ends Saturday, November 9th. Call now and save. 763-333-7337. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies 
should not have. This yeah. is Sammy Davis yeah. Jr. Oh, I know. Sound He's a like terrible him. singer. Not. Well, he is not. He was great in some songs. Yeah. Like but this what? one, not so this much. This one, not so much. Yes. Me and my shadow. That's a fantastic. Me and my shadow. Mr. That, Bojangles. Uh, Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. How about the Beretta theme? <laughs> oh, that's right. Keep your eye on the sparrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's not <laughs> forget about uh-huh. keep your eye uh-huh. on the sparrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Remember when? <laughs> <laughs> Another country <laughs> album. Shut up, Jude. Yeah. Jude's over there barking at Don't Dartmouth. like that song. Bro, uh, stop singing that song. I hate it. Oh, Candyman, that was another big oh, hit for yeah. you. Yeah. Take the sunrise. <laughs> no question. Tom, the master of many voices. You know, I just realized that Meg J is probably going, who in the yeah, hell she's like, did I call? I hang up? <laughs> Why did I call this place? Who are these people? We had a little Sammy Davis Jr. Christmas, and he was kind of missing the notes there, Meg. It was bad. <laughs> that was actually exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> he was missing the notes. Um, actually, Billy Crystal did the best impression of <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. in the history of the planet. It was wonderful. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Supernormal by Meg J. Ph.D. So I have to call you Dr. J. Get it? <laughs> I do get it. I've heard that before. I bet you've heard it 7,000 <laughs> times before, as a matter of fact. Uh, Meg J. Ph.D. is a revolutionary examination of those who have overcome childhood adversity to become supernormal. What do you mean by a supernormal adult? Well, the word supernormal means above the normal or average. And I'm using that as a stand-in for the word resilience, because that's what resilient people are. They have better-than-average outcomes after adversity. And what I really like about the word is that it hints at how heroic that is. And it takes a lot of strength and courage to get out there and fight for a better life as an adult, maybe than um, the one that you had when you were younger. You know, it's amazing. I was going down your list of things, and when I got to the end, it, it hit the wall. But bullying, the loss of a parent to divorce or death, an alcoholic or mentally ill family member, domestic violence. I just went down <laughs> neglect. Yeah, what else you got? So far, I've qualified on every turn, Meg. Well, right, that, you know, when we think about adversity, if you pick one of those adversities, like having a mentally ill parent or sibling, it seems like, well, that's just a minority of the population. But when you put them all together, 75% of us grow up with, like you're saying, one of these or, or more, as often one adversity can lead to another and another. But so many people feel alone with that with that background or with those experiences when really most people out there have have worked to overcome something. Yeah, I, I think that's very, very... In my particular situation, I worked very, very hard. I told my mother when she was putting my sport coat on at four years old to go to Mass, because I grew up Roman Catholic. She's putting my sport coat on at four years old, and I said, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be rich, and I'm not going to be Catholic. <laughs> I told her that at four, so... But I have. Well, is that what happened? Tell me the the end of the story here. Well, Are you rich and not Catholic? I, I I guess I'm still Catholic culturally. I'm not a very religious guy, but culturally, there's a cultural uh, culturalism to, to Catholicism that people don't sure. really understand. There's a total culture there, like Judaism. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it, which I, I really enjoy. No, I, I just I did not like being poor. I'll tell you that. I from the time I was a very very little boy, I hated being poor. Didn't care sure. for it at all. So yeah, right. we've done we've done okay. Let me yeah, put it that well, way. Well, good for you. So you're super normal. Would you consider yourself to be super normal? Well, my wife is here. We could ask her, Catherine. <laughs> am I super normal? In so many ways. 
<laughs> that sounded super sarcastic. Yeah, that was super sarcastic is what that was. In so many ways. Yeah, at first I thought, that's so sweet. Then I heard a little edge there. So, yeah. It's not my problem what you guys hear. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You just heard it that way. Uh, is it right if I just call you Meg? Oh, please do. That would be great. Instead of Dr. J. But no, I yeah. mean, one of, one of the things that I, I was talking about this on, I also do a morning show, and I was talking about it on the morning show this morning, that I, I hold Catherine up as a, an example of that I've succeeded. Because I still, I don't, right. wanna, I don't really want to say this in front of her because she's going to hold it over my head forever, but I'm still amazed she married me. Well, I know what you're saying, and I think. Oh, so so you've seen my. She's only talking for five minutes, and she already knows what you're saying. Say more words like that. (laughs) Where I was going with that. Thanks, Meg. For so many people, you know, it's, it's they can, you know, the first piece of success to come, like you said, is it's no fun, you know, not being able to put you know, have enough food to eat or feel like you have enough to get by. And so people become focused on, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to go to school or I'm going to get that job. And, but often for a lot of people, when they really feel like they've not just survived, but thrived is when they manage to have relationships that are better than they, you know, could have ever imagined too. And I think that's a really, you know, beautiful ending to a lot of people's (laughs) story of adversity and resilience is not just, making it out of where they came from, but having partners or being parents or having families that are, you know, better than what they ever expected. You know, Meg, I think it, there's a there's a part there as well. I, you know, we went through the list of things, uh, bullying, parent, uh, loss of a parent to divorce or death, alcoholic, mentally ill, family member, domestic violence, neglect, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, all the earlier ad- ad- adversities. The more there are, I think, in a person, the less likely it is when they do become either famous or rich or whatever they become, the less likely it is they'll be arrogant about it. That's what I found. Yeah. Well, I think that's what, um, you know, you hear people talk about, I'm thinking of Viola Davis, who's given some interviews in the last year or two about her upbringing and her life now, is that for so many people, you know, it's really the ordinary that's extraordinary. And I would say that's true also you know, whether you're Viola Davis or Oprah or Andre Agassi, it's it's almost, it's not the being rich and famous part that seems amazing. Sometimes it's just having a safe home right? or being able to come home and, you know, not have an alcoholic there or being able just to pay the bills. But that is what feels, you know, really extraordinary is just the ordinary that many people take for granted. But if you grow up with hard times, you don't take those things for granted at all. Is it true that really no one has a normal, what you would consider a normal life, or do some people actually live a normal existence? Um, I've heard there are some, but I do know that it's statistically, <laughs> statistically not, ironically, it's not the norm. And that's yeah. really what, what I really wanted readers to take away from Supernormal, is that so many of my clients feel like they're abnormal because they've grown up with some of the situations that we were talking about. Right. But... Statistically speaking, sadly, adversity is the norm. And that I, what I wanted mm-hmm. people to take away from the book is you're not abnormal. You're actually more normal than you think. And if you've turned out better than you expected, you're even super normal. And I just wanted that paradigm shift because that's what really harms people 
and holds people back the most, I think, is perceiving themselves as abnormal or different or less than other people because yeah. of you know the ways they've grown up. So um, instead of kind of shielding themselves behind a, a shield of victimization, what you're doing is putting them back out in front of the shield where this isn't something that they have to hide behind and feel like they've been broken and battered. They can actually step forward and say, hey, I'm just part of what everybody else is going through. And Right, yes. And that, you know, I think so many, like I said, so many people feel abnormal or alienated. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just a real separation. I had a someone on the radio the other day who called in and said, I've always felt like I was looking at life from the outside in. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, the so-called normal people really, you know, own the center of reality and everybody else is just stuck on the margins. But in reality... It, the flip is true, that most people, if you group the adversities together, most people, you know, are hiding in plain sight, just like you, who have worked to overcome something. Oh, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I was just looking at uh, all the things that you've done, the fact that you're a clinical psychologist, there are a million questions I have for you, some on topic, but could I ask you one off, off-topic question? Go for it. When are we going to stop hating one another so much in America? Uh, that's a whole other book you've got to write. That's a whole other book. But, you know, it's funny because oh. I, was just thinking, I was thinking that earlier today, but I guess that's sort of what's going on right now is everybody was thinking that earlier today mm-hmm. and earlier yesterday and the day before, that it's really, really, I, you know, speaking of chronically str- chronic stress, it's chronically stressful to – you know, live in an environment where you feel like there's so much hate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's almost like living in an abusive home, you know, that you just sort of never oh, know yeah. what bad thing will happen or will be said next. It's very upsetting. People are in the comment sections in newspapers. They will come in some horrible thing. A very famous person. I always use the example of Joan Rivers because I adored Joan Rivers. I just <laughs> loved her. When she died, the first comment I saw in the paper was, thank God she's finally dead. Wow. Why would you put that in the newspaper? Why? Yeah. Yes, well, I, you know, I think sometimes it's going back to the, it's sort of like living in an abusive home situation. You have to find ways to protect yourself. And, you know, often I tell my clients, I tell myself, you know, I don't look at the comments in in newspapers because I know that it's, you know, it's so they can be so toxic and so cruel, and that we know that face to face that people wouldn't actually say those things and may not even think those things. But there's something about the anonymity in those in those comment sections that just really brings out the worst in people, unfortunately. Yeah. Comment sections, social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, it's just uh, right. I, and, it's and brutal. The, it's brutal, and the politicians are making it worse. And I, I tend to be pretty much a centrist, Meg. I, I don't lean left or right. I just can't stand either one of them. I, they just drive. And I, I like Democrats, and I like Republicans. I just don't like the far left and the far right. I, I just right. don't need that. Things are so polarized right now. It does seem yep. like, I, for the first time in my lifetime, I do look at you know, public life and wonder, how is it all going to come together? How is it all going to play out? And, you know, in my lifetime, I haven't seen that before. I have to ask you, man, because I think I was a very lucky kid. My father was was taken to an institution when I was uh, nine or ten years old. Um, And he came back for a couple of months, but then he never came back after that. But I had two uh, friends, 
and their fathers were very, very nice to me. They went out of their way when I went to mm. one Mr. Fisher and one Mr. Laurent. I went to their houses. They, they would always say, they would like put their hand on my shoulder and say, Tom, we're very fond of you and, and you're going to do Aww. really, really well. Am I, is that really unusual? Did I just get really well, lucky? I- uh, well, I, I doubt it. I mean, Good. you know, what we know is that a lot of resilient people, A, they tend to have personalities that draw good people toward them. So I, I'm guessing you made some of your own luck. But we also know that I think we imagine that when people have an absent parent or both parents are gone or neither are able to do much parenting, that there's, you know, a central figure like a grandparent who swoops in and takes over. And rarely does it actually happen that way. Usually it happens exactly the way that you're describing. Oh, that's good. Is that it's little bits and pieces from a teacher here, a neighbor there, a coach here, and a mentor there. And what resilient people like yourself do is they manage to to piece all those together and, and um, you know, to make something out of the bits and pieces they get from others, which is really amazing when you think about it. It is really amazing for a, for a friend's father to say, hey, we're very fond of you and, and, and you're going to do great. Don't worry about it. I, uh, to me, it's it like they had gone way out of their way, and I, I will never ever forget it as long as I live. Yeah, that was a different time, though, right? When when yeah, our probably. friends' parents actually took an interest in us. Yeah, that's and true. We had more of a community with the people around us, which I think mm-hmm. we've we've come pretty far away from. Meg, I don't know where you stand on that. Well, I do think it, it can be, you know, harder to find. You hear a lot of people say they found it. At- school now you know because they spend more time at school than maybe you know in their neighborhoods but or with you know a coach or um, someone but you know what I think is really neat is that it is often these little like kind of small acts of caring and kindness that might seem like couldn't possibly make a big difference but here you are saying you've never forgotten that that you were able to take it in and use it and that really changed you and I think that's almost something that we have to remember on a day-to-day basis, that we never know how we might be giving that to someone else or offering that, even if we can't take someone in and change their lives immediately. The small acts of caring and kindness actually make a big difference. We're going to have to have you on for like an hour next time. Fifteen minutes wasn't enough. I would enough. love that. It was no, not it long. Wasn't. I really enjoyed talking to you. We will reach out again. Thank you very much, Dr. J. I had to do it once Thank more. Thank you. I just had to. <laughs> Supernormal by Meg J. PhD. Thank you very much for being with us. What a nice woman. Yes, very nice. But that is true, though. That 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 whole. See, I was glad to hear that that happens to a lot of people. That there are some people that step forward, a teacher or a. Whatever it is, it's saying, "Hey, don't worry about it. You'll be, you'll be fine." But I, you know, I wonder your point as well, Dave. Does that happen now, though? I don't think nearly as much. And I don't think nearly people as don't much. take as much interest in other people. Yep, we're so right. me generation now. Yeah, that's true. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you on Monday with the family.